0: hello, hello, welcome back to Sexonomic, the podcast where we speak about things all sexual economy, relationships, gender politics and just generally anything related to sex which is quite a lot of things. So I'm gonna do a little bit of a solo episode today. Which I get a bit nervous about because he wants to hear me speak to myself for however long this is going to be. But if you haven't guessed from the title, we are going to be speaking about the three mental fundamentals for the mentals of attraction. So basically three things I've learned within what I do now that have helped me attract what I want in my life. I wanted to impart something that can be more relatable for everyone to take into their own lives. I'm not just all about sex, 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 dildos, cock, funny, Viagra, strap-on. Uh, no. So whilst you all know by now, I dance in the evenings when I can, uh, most nights if I need a bit of money. But also I have my own personal business that I take care of in the day. And whilst reflecting on my past year as it's come around to my strip anniversary, well, the one year anniversary from when you start stripping, it made me think about basic skills I've really had to hone down on in the club that have helped me in my wider life and have changed me for the better. I'm sure we're all familiar with the basic laws of attraction and taking positive steps of surrounding ourselves and things that bring us closer to our goals. So, these are some kind of theories that have helped me navigate my personal journey towards that. So when I say attraction, I'm not just speaking about looks, I'm more speaking about attracting people into what you want, or what you have to offer. So it's more that kind of bringing someone else in rather than the physical attraction. Because in my Personal sales context in terms of a dance, yes, you will get a dance for often how you look, but where you make your money is almost turning the unturned stones, slash, customers that need connection, mental stimulation, and feel like they're making a good decision or I'm worth investing in. So it's funny, uh, sometimes I let customers in on how I work and how I profile and see the business almost from a very analytical point of view and I get quite a lot of eyebrows from customers but also understanding when I have more of a genuine conversation of the introspectiveness of what I've learned from stripping I guess for me and I don't know why but I've always been wired to be curious So anything I'm seeing in front of me, I'm asking why, I want to know why. So in any job I've had from my weekend job as a teenager to office jobs to this current job, I'm always looking at the skills and lessons I've learned to formulate into more simple nuggets that I can have with me all the time and it gives me a wider understanding of why things are the way they are naturally as a curious person. I'm rattled when I don't understand and sometimes it gets me into trouble but collecting knowledge nuggets have always been a great source of comfort and hopefully the ones I share with you today can be a great source of comfort to you too. So today I'm going to share with you my method of collecting knowledge nuggets from my job um um the way you can do this is if you're listening i encourage you to look at all of the jobs you've ever had find a piece of paper if you were born in 1980 or go in your phone section if you're a hot young zillennial um and open a little folder called <laughs> therapy <laughs> list one to three for each job you've ever had you can go way 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 back to like your paper round working in a cafe all the way to you know your current finance job or whatever you do but yeah you're gonna list one to three and for each number you're going to summarize the most important lessons you've learned in that specific role and once you've written it down you're giving power to those words and those words affirm your position of what you've learned there. If you want to, you can share this with your friends and they can share it with you. Because the more we learn about ourselves, the more self aware we become, the more we can kind of chip into conversations with our friends and say, hey, my experience with this was like this. So maybe I could advise you to do, th- do that, and your friend can do vice versa. So I definitely think it's almost a type of journaling that you can do today. Anyway. Enough with the deepness, here's my list of what's helped me level up in my life in terms of attraction from my observations working in a strip club. So to give you context my job is a sales job. I am essentially attracting in a customer to come and purchase something off me and I get the money and they feel like they've bought something that is of value. Apply that to any sales job in the world. So obviously with mine it's fully new dancing which Is more along the lines of bringing someone in with more of a sexual alert, mental stimulation, conversation. It's building that rapport with someone. So my first kind of law I've learned from this job that's helped me within all my other roles I do outside of stripping is using suggestive language. This is hard as I'm someone who personally bloody love definitives. They give me such certainty and support in my life as the pillar. I know what page I'm on. I don't have to waste my time again. People also on a level love simplistic and concise language because it gives that easier to follow direction. Its intent is clear for me personally. I fucking love black and white language because it makes life easier for everyone. However, that's not always the case when you're trying to convince someone to do something you want them to do. So when I'm speaking about convincing someone to do something with suggestive language, it's almost on the opposite end of the scale of directness. It's getting away from that authoritative command, even if they've said it with a please and a thank you and in a nice way. The way I use suggestive language is the idea of letting someone feel they have ownership of the interest and desire of what you're offering them. They get the final call. It's nice because when they say yes, you know it's a genuine interest, which you can, in business context, milk. Horrible, I know. So. Here is where I'm going to give you a little example of the more specifics of what I've learned to embody in this dancing job when it comes to suggestive language and the tone to carry with it. I function in two characters at the club. It's kind of like acting, you know, you put on your costume and you go out there and you make do with the character you play. I'm either a stern dominatrix bitch, which rules on fear, or a really soothing and calming girlfriend both have their advantages but i'd say the dom vibe is more niche so i end up doing the girlfriend experience angle a little bit more which is all about finding commonalities striking a bond relating nurturing and listening it's kind of almost maternal i'm creating a world where we're in their sanctuary or environment that's just designed for them. It's completely safe and it's free of anything that would ever stress them out. They can really let their guard down in this environment, confess the things they would fear to usually and make them feel like they're in control of their own decisions in this idyllic and without pressure world which men come to clubs to escape from whether it be home or work. So the conversation you have with the customer at this point is very much profiling and probing who they are but also kind of saying it in a more girlfriend confidant kind of way you know how does that make you feel oh my gosh that's terrible i can't believe you know the stress of that how how do you handle that do you feel like you've got anyone to speak to at the moment you know that kind of good stuff and usually by now you'll have a little drink in your hand because you'll say, oh, can I buy you a drink? And this is where you start soft selling in this suggestive language. I said earlier there's the dominatrix and there's the girl next door girlfriend experience, which is basically in technical sales terms, soft sell and hard sell but anyway you've started to soft sell in with suggestive language you're going to start using collective language as if you're already a unit example not to do hey babe let's go for a dance wouldn't we have such a nice time being more one-on-one in the private room maybe and then that's when he'll say oh what's the price say these lines with almost a little flirty smirk like (gasps) oh wouldn't it be so awful or wouldn't it be so nice or mm, I don't know and by now you would have built up some kind of rapport so he will trust from you listening of what he's had to say and offload from his day so by now he's probably thinking yeah it would be nice to go for a dance. You're probing and you're highlighting the need for more fun in their lives And how you do this as an example, not by saying, Hey, babe, come for a dance with me. I'm way hotter than your wife. (coughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, come on, I'm way more fun. (coughs) No. No. Instead, you use this really suggestive tone. I've noticed you've always taken a pause when you've been speaking about intimacy at home with me. Would it be wrong for me to assume that you're not being the happiest you could be? And then he maybe says, Oh, maybe, yeah, 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 yeah. And he say, "May I ask why, if it's not too much of an intrusion? You know what you're doing, but he doesn't know what you're doing. You're using his wants and needs to guide your wants and needs. You're saying hypothetical a lot, because hypothetical is a really smart word as it's almost a certain socially with a hot lady in front of you but the example to do this is not to say oh babe go outside and get some cash out the cash point for fun because that's not giving him the space for him to make his own decision instead you know use this example of hypothetically if we were to go downstairs right now me and you would you theoretically have cash or card? They'll find that more endearing too as they'll have more space to feel like they've made the decision. It's all about creating this environment where you're merely using your physical attraction to lure them in and then the bond which is always so important to build straight away as soon as you meet them, shake their hand, look in their eye, build that one-on-one connection but to guide him and make him feel like he's made his own decision And once he has that in his mind that he's made his own decision and said to himself mentally yes I want this because often they'll be on the edge you know they'll be like oh I don't know you know I don't want to be unfaithful they're not being unfaithful by coming to a strip club because basically it's just temptation and it's a tease it's nothing more. If he's made the decision as well in his own mind that he's okay with this, it gives him the confidence for him to almost feel he's allowed to go and splurge and go crazy on you, bringing him to the boil as he's a kettle you know if he feels confident in his own mind of yes this is a good decision this girl you know she's a stripper but i feel like i can trust her and she listens to me and you know she's not asking me she's not commanding me she's not ordering me i don't just feel like a cash point to her she's being suggestive she's asking about my life if he feels that you're not just abruptly saying i want money and just more kind of suggesting it you're not looking too thirsty and it feels more like a real outside world connection and that's what's going to make him go crazy and splurge. Unless he's a cash piggy then you can use the dominatrix style. You know it's always so interesting how men and women respond to language you know especially a suggestive language. We should all be kind as humans and say our pleases and thank yous But I guarantee if you took men and women in traditional cisgendered relationships and ran them through an experiment where a woman wants her husband to close the door behind him. I would feel confident in guessing that men on a whole will respond better and in a more positive light to doing so if the question is proposed as could you please close the door for me babe rather than close the door please you're still saying please, but it's more suggestive. When they come in the club and you're asking them to do something, I don't want to feel like I'm asking them to do it. I want them to feel like I would like to do it. I don't want to be barking at them. You know, the two things that men complain about when it comes to their wives and why they're in the strip club is not because of lack of sex, not because of looks, it's nagging and emasculation they have no qualms about doing what's usually asked of them but they don't want to be told they want to feel respected enough that their wife is going to propose it as a question you know just as you would want it on the other side you want to be asked oh would you be able to do that would you be able to do that da, 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 da. you know you're not in an office where you're saying close that door bring me that file get me my lunch check in here do that whatever because that's a work context, the more human approach is, would you be able to do that? Is it too much bother if you could just close the door? Would you be able to do that? Is it just too much bother if you could do this? How about doing that? It's creating that almost effortless ask. Because I guarantee These men at the club, nine times out of ten, they will go and do that for their wife because that's their wife and they want to make them happy. And if you already use suggested language and they don't do shit, get fucking rid. Get rid of them. Tonality is everything when you're attracting someone to follow a command or ask a question in order for them to do what you want them to do. In its most basic form, I can summarize it is, it's not what you say or ask for, it's how you go about it and what tone you deliver that request in. So that's suggestive language. And number two is listening. happens with suggestive language is you don't know the right suggestive language to ask if you don't listen. You don't know how to get to your destination if you don't listen. You don't know what information that is key to getting what you want if you don't listen. You've probably heard me mention it a little bit as well in suggestive language listening. Uh, Why is listening an important lesson to have learned? Because, in its most basic sales term, it's profiling. When you can profile, you know what type of person you're dealing with, what they want, what their general mentality is. Wanted to refrain from saying vibe because, you know, that's cringe. From here, you can navigate what path to take the customer in and what type of harsh or soft pitch approach would be appropriate you know the dominatrix or the girlfriend handle what objections they might be using you know they might say oh i've just came with mates maybe later oh it's not really usually my thing stuff like that that you have to kind of objection handle what information they've given to you from their insecurities or desires what speech cadence they're speaking in and match the appropriate speech cadence and tone with their body language all to seal the deal close the job and get it done. That's all listening. That's all looking at what's in front of you. Listening and observing are just basically from different places on the body. Listening is with your ears. Observing is with your eyes they do the same job, they just come out of different parts of your body. But I suppose before anything listening, it shows that you're engaged and you're invested into what's in front of you. You know, the customer sees that, oh wow, she's asking me a lot of questions because she really must be listening and she's giving me the time just to speak and say my piece. You're showing interest, which is why anyone walks into a sales domain because they're interested or have a need to want to learn about something that they might want to picure or buy they might be ready to buy it it might be just kind of scanning if they want to buy it But that's all an opportunity to listen and try and get as close as possible to getting that sale intuition is often regarded as the highest form of intelligence And that within itself is listening to yourself on the deepest level as well as everything external going on around you to make the best calculated or safest risk to get that sale. I've learned to listen in two different contexts. Number one being acknowledged listening and the other being, well, to put it kindly, eavesdropping. I call it listening to your surroundings. If it's in my earshot, sure, you've not concealed it well enough as far as I'm concerned. But both have different uses, but acknowledged listening offers an element of safety and security from the other person's perspective that you're speaking to you know the person who you're looking to purchase what you have which as you can imagine helps build that safe world that we were speaking about earlier you're taking an interest in them hearing what they have to say and you do learn some genuine gems of finance bros of where to put your stocks and where not to put your stocks because you basically do the opposite of what they're telling you to do but yes acknowledged listening is more kind of showing you're listening and building that bond off the fact that you are listening. Eavesdropping is a way of quietly collecting information to put into your arsenal whether it be a good sales technique you directly observed a nugget knowledge of the environment you're working in or information on a customer's character that might help you usher along a sale before you've even spoken to them by just listening to another girl speak to that customer already. Think of one as people's perception that you are leaning into what they're saying and one as observing when people aren't watching. The way I think over the past year I've managed to hone in on my sales skills is just by listening to the full breadth of what is said and then for my own personal agenda in the club probing in the direction of where they're going to reveal more information so creating that bond upon them revealing that information the more they spill their own tea that should stay in the pot the more vulnerable they are and the more guards and walls they're letting down you want to listen so hard you know how to make their walls drop like the berlin wall i'm not even joking think of it as collecting data the more data you have the more accurate your analysis is going to be the more cleaner you're going to hit and get the sale all of this sounds very calculated and clinical but it's true One thing I do want to stress though is listening is listening. Often people see listening as some kind of chore that an obedient submissive does and the submissive feels obliged to change their opinion to the speakers at the end of the point because, you know, they think that's listening. That's wrong. That's brainwashing why someone is listening can be influenced by a multitude of reasons. You know you can actively listen to someone and disagree. In fact people may respect you even more if you disagree from the speaker's perspective. It happens a lot in the club where there'll be a group of girls surrounding one customer and he's chatting about something that's going on in politics or culture. They'll all be agreeing with him whatever he's saying but if you take the time to offer an alternative point of view view that is well created and thought of he'll know you're listening. 10% of men I will say probably don't like this because they don't like women who have the potential to outsmart them but coincidentally the 90% who do like it are more free with their money as they're open to new ideas and new perspectives merely by listening to your alternative point of view if they're a rigid thinker and they don't really want to listen to your point of view or debate it or have an exchange where you might look at the other person's point of view they're set in the ways best in the club these types of people cough up the minimum amount of money to go for a dance because they think the world is always on their terms. No, as a stripper the world should be on your terms so after learning this through stripping when it came to applying this to my jobs outside of well stripping listening from what i'd realized is when you build your whole foundation of potential clients, new talent, teammates or anything people-based. Listening is such a good way to read people. Most people know of listening in the traditional sense of learning how to do something as simple as a maths equation or what to do on a stock market but the more intuitive listening I'm speaking about is about zooming in and noticing the fibres in between all of that. As I said, It's about collecting obvious and non-obvious data about someone so you're informed enough to make the right decision of what you want to say or what direction you want to go in or why they're going to join your team or why they're going to be the person who gives you the sale. It's really honing in, as I said, and looking at that almost synapse of what you would find in a brain of why they are the way they are. Next time you're having a debate with someone, refrain from saying your own statements and thoughts. Start with asking questions and listening, then move in with your opinions. As then you'll be loaded with a lot more data to make a more all-encompassing and rounded judgment. And on the other side, the person will feel more respected for you taking the time to listening to them, so they'll listen to your point of views. We're going to do number 3 after the break, so if you need to grab a coffee, change your gym set, go to the printer at work or take a piss. Go and do that. We'll do number three after the break. So I'm gonna dive straight back into it. Number three ladies and gentlemen, it is Confidence. Okay, God, confidence. You could write a whole book on it. For me, when I was writing down what I've learned from this job so far, what I've learned is to project forward-facing confidence. And if you look at a different way to say that, it's projecting a lack of fear. For most of my life, I've always been perceived as being quite a confident person. As a toddler, in school, in uni, with guys, and social situations, I've never really had a problem with meeting new people or or anxiety around speaking to someone I don't know, at a restaurant or a bar or in a public setting or public speaking, I've never really found that difficult. I'm even a person who can go into a restaurant and eat by myself and go on holiday by myself. I know there are people out there and people who will listen to this and think that's scary stuff. And I completely get that. I'm not going to say I understand it but I can see how that would be scary if you're not feeling confident. I've always wondered why I'm like that and to be honest I think I came out that way but what I'm always trying to prove is the nervous voice and fear of rejection that is more of a problem inside of my own mind but people will never guess that because I'm not outwards with it until this podcast which is kind of insane because you know Handling rejection is largely how you build faith and confidence within yourself. You analyse the rejection of why things didn't go your way, which is kind of insane because how you handle rejection is largely how you build faith and confidence within your own self. You can analyse the rejection of why things didn't go the way they should have gone, but having confidence keeps you on your path and it's about being able to take that hit and keep on moving forward and believing in yourself. You know I remember when I was applying to university I had one university that I was dying to get into and if I didn't get in there it was the end of the universe. You know it would be like the horseman of the apocalypse and you know the rain would be blood and people would just cease to exist and my life would cease to exist. Very dramatic, but. I didn't get into that and I ended up going to another good university but that confidence of looking within myself saying you know what they might not have wanted me but I know I'm really good at what I do and I know that I have talent I ended up going to that university and getting a really good qualification so it's like in rocky it's not how hard you can hit it's how hard you can get hit and keep on moving forward or something like that. The reason I suppose I've left confidence to last in terms of how it facilitates attraction mentally is because confidence is attraction. It's conveying the value you hold. It's saying you're worth something. It's pulling up your own seat at the motherfucking table and saying you've got something worth having or listening to. It's being able to take A battering and get back up. It's being able to shut out the negativity. It's the fog light that evokes faith to boats in a storm and guides them into safety. Just as a person's confidence attracts other people in saying you've got something that's worthwhile saying. I suppose in my dancing environment, the two most important angles to project are are firstly, confidence within your own physical skin, meaning your body and external features, and also confidence in your inner worth. Again, in my environment, equally as important. The physical confidence will be what catches people's eye and lure them in. The inner worth is your knowledge and ability to get the job done and help solidify and maybe even make them spend more money on you. A lot of guys and girls get hung up on physical attraction, from girls who think they don't get dances because of how they look, to the guys who come into the strip clubs as customers because they're not confident enough to approach women in a bar or at work or socially whatever which until I had this job I never really understood how scary it was but the comment through line of those two comparisons is a lack of confidence. All girls on the floor Have to obtain some kind of beauty standard to work there in a strip club. So they have to have something that appeals to some kind of demographic or men. All girls on the floor get said no to. Whoever you deem the most gorgeous will get said no to. The one you think is maybe, oh, I don't really think much to her, she's not much of a looker, will get said yes to all night. You know, it happens like that. That's in every quadrant of life, whether it be, oh, I can't believe that person got the job, you know, they didn't interview or do whatever as well as me to get that job or someone who you know gets with your ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend and you think oh well they're not a patch on me yada 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 my advice to this is get fucking used to it once you're used to it it's like water off a duck's back If you fear rejection, you're never going to be confident. But in stripping, having the confidence of saying what I have is worth having, regardless of what your preconceptions told you that you initially wanted, or I'm worth investing in because I'm fucking worth it. Thank you, L'Oreal. Shout out to you. That's what makes me a threat, my confidence. And then when you're doing well, taking many different dances for different people, other customers go, huh, that's a popular choice. I'll go with that option too. Confidence is infectious. If someone says no, don't take it personally. It's all about collecting no's just to find the right yes. The people who say no to you are obviously the people who don't get it. They're not people worth investing your time with. So as soon as they say no, go, okay, fine, bounce. What's the Chris quote? If someone says no to you, you're probably asking the wrong person. I spoke earlier about being the dominatrix and the girl next door and people might listen thinking oh I don't have the confidence to pretend to be someone but they're wrong you do you have to start by wearing the emperor's clothes what does that mean well it means putting your costume on doing your hair your makeup pretending to be the emperor with the clothes on and once you have the clothes on you've sunken down into being that character a little bit more that then gives you the key to blend in and experience the environment because you look like you belong in the environment. And once you've learned that, you can develop that confidence and apply it around your life. Once you've learned how to wear the emperor's clothes, sink into the environment and listen. For me in the club, I always play a version that is closest to myself, but is slightly off. You want to sound honest, but you need to have separation. However, that is my method of submergence into confidence. Looking the part, sinking into character, learning the experience and then perfecting. This sounds a lot like an acting exercise and it probably is. If you can seamlessly act in a fast manner to pretend to be confident without anyone knowing, you're already there my friend. Believing, having faith, surrounding yourself with positive or like-minded entities towards what you want to attract, moreover will make your character more confident why wouldn't you be confident whatever field you're in outside of being a child prodigy or a child genius you have the potential to be just as half as decent as anyone else as long as you listen do your due diligence and have confidence in the process everyone is capable of confidence or creating the facade that ascends themselves into it but put it this way If you're not cocksure about your product and think you're the hottest thing since sliced bread, how the fuck will anyone else believe it? Yes, I know. Don't be arrogant and don't be egotistical. That's why I think most humans are born with a self-governing inner monologue. Those who aren't born with it are fucking psychopaths. But you better believe in life, whether it's dating, signing on a new client, asking for that promotion or even staying on the line with customer service. You won't achieve it if you're not showing some level of confidence because confidence is competence. And if you don't believe it yourself, fake it till you fucking make it. What are some of the things that I do to assert confidence in my own life? Sometimes I do get nervous, just like everyone else. You'll never see it. But when I ask someone for something, I look into the person's eyes and ask for it. If someone stares at me in the street in a strange and comfortable way, I stare back until that motherfucker cowers and feels embarrassed. When someone is being passive-aggressive, I stop them in their tracks with directness. I even make a point to compliment strangers because that's me spreading confidence. So, to fucking summarise, when you need to attract something or someone in your life, be so confident that you can use suggestive language to offload the pressure from that person you're pursuing and mostly listen so you know how to get where you want to be within that sale or direction or thing you want to get from that situation. Suggestive language, listening and confidence in sales is almost like a trifecta. From being on the floor every night, those are the three pillars that I always look towards when I'm a bit lost. When it's not going my way, I look back and go, hmm, am I projecting these things? Am I using these three things? Am I facilitating them into the conversations I'm having, the body language I'm giving off? thank you for listening to this episode and please feel free to do this at home if you want to write down you know your jobs and top three things you've learned from them your relationships your friendships it's a way of just getting the knowledge nuggets of your own experiences and knowing what works you know you can even reverse engineer and find out what doesn't work from what you've done because that's the thing you probably want to avoid if you want to be involved in the conversation more, I'll attach our socials below. And I'm always looking for guests and practitioners and professionals to bring onto the podcast. So if you have something you're interested in speaking about or having a conversation about or promoting or dialoguing about, look for the email below. And thank you for your time today and keep it sexy.